Oh, appreciate that. Amen. Good singing. Great song. Great truth. Good stuff there. All right. Let's have our young people dismissed back to Children's Church. Uh, young people uh, back to Children's Church. This is our young people up through the uh, fourth grade. And so uh, they're back there ready for you. And so, amen. Good stuff. I did see a whole big bucket full of candy left over from the candy cannon that made its way back to Children's Church. So I don't know exactly uh, uh, what that's going to entail except for a high dentist bill. Amen? And for you parents, but uh, amen. Very good. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning, and uh, let's go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Uh, today is Friends and Family Sunday, and uh, I like trying to preach along the theme of the day, if possible, if the Lord allows me to do that. And so I was thinking about this thing about being a friend. And thinking about Jesus being a friend. And I started just uh, searching that word through my Bible concordance about Jesus being a friend. And you know what I came across? I came across the verse that says this in Luke chapter 7 verse 34. uh, Talking about Jesus. It says, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber. This is an accusation against Jesus. And here's what they accused him of being. A friend of publicans and sinners. A friend of publicans. and I got to thinking about that. Of course, the publican in the Bible is a tax collector. And I thought, man, what is the story of Jesus being a friend to someone who most of society would disregard? And how could you not think about Luke chapter 19 and the story of a man named Zacchaeus? Amen? And in fact, this morning during Sunday school, we probably do almost every week, we sing about Zacchaeus, that wee little man. Now, he probably wasn't this small, okay? But uh, we just kind of do that. And uh, so that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. I'm going to preach on this subject, A Little Man Meets a Big God. A Little Man Meets a Big God. So if you find your place, stand with me together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 19, I'll read verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up uh, into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with the man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you today. We sure do thank you for allowing us to be your house. Now God, as we turn our attention for these next few moments to the preaching of your word, I ask God that you'd work in our hearts this morning. Holy in this service. We pray that you'd move in our midst. God, as I pray every week, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that you would work on their heart today. I pray you'd draw them to yourself today. I pray that they would get that settled before they leave here today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your people, Lord, that do know you, to allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make us better. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A little man meets a big God. 
By the way, this wasn't the only place it talks about Jesus being a friend to publicans and sinners. In Luke chapter 5, it says, But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against His disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? In Luke chapter 15, verse 1, Then drew near unto Him all the publicans and sinners for to hear Him. And again, folks, I'm so glad that God takes the time uh, to uh, meet and deal with and, uh, and have relationships with uh, uh, publicans and sinners. Amen? Publicans and sinners. Now, I don't know that anyone's a publican in here today. I don't know that anyone works for the IRS in here today. But I can tell you one thing we all have in common. We're all sinners. Amen? And listen, if you're saved here today, you're saved because Jesus Christ cared enough about us as sinners. Amen? So let's talk about this t- today. A little man meets a big God. i got three things I want to give you. Here's the first thing we want to look at. The searching sinner. The searching sinner. Uh, Back in our text there, it talks about Zacchaeus, and it says of him, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought, notice, he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now what we see here in this verse, we see some background about Zacchaeus. He was a man of of some prominence. His word and his name in the Hebrew means pure and righteous. But you know what? That's not of what he was thought to be by the people, pure and righteous. You see, he was a tax collector and he worked for Rome. All right, And uh, as a Roman tax collector, uh, he was considered a traitor by his fellow countrymen uh, because of what he did for the Roman Empire. Now you've got to remember, folks, Rome was the occupying nation of the day. And they occupied occupied uh, the, uh, the people of Israel. And of course, they, they uh, put taxes upon him. And Zacchaeus was the one that was to enforce those, uh, the, the, the payment of those taxes. Now, he wasn't just a Roman IRS agent. The Bible says he was a chief tax collector. That meant this. He was in charge of many other agents. And no doubt, he got a cut of that commission. And usually how it would work was, if the Romans, if the Romans would charge 5% which probably was a little higher than that, I'm sure, then Zacchaeus would charge 10%, and when he would take his portion off the top of all that. So you can understand why the people did not like him. Now the Bible says that he did this work in Jericho. Jericho was a great place to be because of the geographical location. It was people coming in. It was people going out on their way to Jerusalem. It was considered the tax capital. It was a vast trade network that extended from Damascus to Egypt, and Zacchaeus was in charge of these tax offices there in that place. Now the Bible tells us because of all this, he was very wealthy. But here's the problem, you know what? He was a renegade in the eyes of his own people. You know, He basically sold them out so that he could get rich off their back. So you can understand why the people didn't like him. You can understand why the people didn't like this classification of people known as publicans. There's a story about a local fitness center that was offering $1,000 to anyone who could demonstrate that they were stronger than the owner of the place. Here's how it worked. The muscle man would squeeze a lemon with the, until all the juice ran into a glass, and then he would hand the lemon uh, to the next challenger. Anyone who could squeeze out one more drop of juice would win the money. 
Many people tried over, uh, over and over. There were weightlifters, there were construction workers, there were professional wrestlers, but nobody could do it. One day a short and skinny guy came in and signed up for the contest. After the laughter died down, the odor grabbed the lemon and squeezed away. Then he handed the wrinkled remains to the little man. The crowd's laughter turned to silence as the man clenched his fist around the lemon and six drops fell into the glass. As the crowd cheered, the manager paid out the winning prize and, and asked the short guy what he did for a living. Are you a lumberjack? Are you a weightlifter? What are you? The man simply replied, I work for the IRS. Amen? All right. <laughs> Squeezing out the last little drop. Now this guy made a little bit of who uh, Zacchaeus was. He was a uh, publican, a tax collector, not liked by the common people. I'm going to tell you what's interesting about this. You begin following Jesus through the Gospels, and you find out that Jesus was not a stranger to this group of people called the publicans. Early on in his ministry, he attracted them, and worse yet, in the eyes of a religious crowd, he received them warmly. In fact, he was accused of, uh, by the religious crowd of eating and drinking with those publicans and sinners. These were two terms that the Pharisees used synonymously. That's the disdain that they had for these people. But let me tell you what we find out all about this. That Zacchaeus was not just a publican, was not just a chief publican, but you know what he was? He was a searching sinner. He was a searching sinner. I love what it says there in verse 3. He sought to see Jesus who he was. By the way, in the world standards, Zacchaeus had it all. He had prominence. He had money. He had probably anything and everything he would want. But you know what? Even though he had what all the world had to offer, you know what he found out? There was still something missing. Amen? There was still a hole inside that all the money and all the notoriety and none of those possessions could fill. I talked to a man this week. In fact, he called me on the phone Thursday night. Uh, right after the service, and uh, it was a man that happened to be a, a man that I've worked for before. And last time I worked for him, I, I was talking to him about the Lord, and, and he kind of changed the subject a little bit. And, and that usually what happens when, when you bring up the Lord. But listen, I don't get discouraged by that. I get encouraged, because usually if somebody changed the subject, the Holy Ghost is working on the heart. Amen? And so I, I spoke with him, and, and when I left him that day, as I finished up the job at his house, I gave him a gospel track, and I said, hey, if you ever need to talk, call me. Well, Thursday night, he needed to talk, and he called me. And while y'all were finishing up the fellowship in here, I went to my office, and I closed the door. I began to talk with him. And here's what he told me. He says, I can't explain it, but something's, going, something's wrong with me. And I asked him, his name's Gary. I said, Gary, let me ask you this. I said, uh, does it feel like there's a big hole inside that nothing can fill? He says, that's exactly what it feels like. I said, well, Gary, I got good news for you, man. I know something that can fill that hole for you. And I began to witness to him and talk to him. And that night, over the phone, he, was, he accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. Amen? You know why? Because he had a hole that nothing else... Would... And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Every single one of us has what I call the God vacuum. Every single human being is born with a big hole inside. And you know what? That's why we have the mess that the world has today. That's why there's drug addicts and that's why there's alcoholics and that's why there's all the people searching after this and searching after that because they're trying to fill the hole with something. But you know what? There's only one thing that can fill that hole and that is what Zacchaeus found out, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Now listen, I can't read your heart this morning. Only God can. 
But maybe this morning you came in here and you know what? You're, you're relating to what I'm saying. You say, you're right, preacher. I got that feeling inside. I got that empty feeling. I feel like that there's a big hole inside of me. And listen to me, I got good news for you. You may came here searching something and, I, and, and, and if you want it, you can find what you're searching for. And you know what that is? That's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me just encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, hey, why don't you accept Christ as your Savior this morning? Hey, how about it though, church? Listen to me. I don't know about y'all, but I, I didn't just need Jesus to get my sins forgiven. I just didn't need Jesus so I could alter my eternal destiny. I need Him every single day in my life. And by the way, He wants to be there for you every single day in your life. He wants you to know Him on a deeper level. He wants to uh, work in your life in a greater way. And listen, you know what? Zacchaeus found that out that day. Now what's interesting, Zacchaeus had two problems. His first problem, the Bible says that he was of a short stature and he couldn't see Jesus. I kind of picture Zacchaeus, you know, kind of trying to, you know, you ever been there, done that? Well, maybe not guys like me. I'm a little on the tall side, all right? But, you know, you're in a crowd and you're trying to see and you're, and you're kind of bouncing around like Tigger, you know? And you're trying to see what's going on. I can kind of picture maybe Zacchaeus trying to do all that thing. And so physically, you know what? There were some limitations to him getting to Jesus. Uh, but you know what? His second problem and his greatest problem wasn't just a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. Because you know what? He had what we all have. Sins that try to keep us away from the Lord. Amen? Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. And let me tell you what we all have in common, folks. We all have a sin problem in common. Amen? Every single one of us have a sin problem. And the problem with sin is that sin separates. It separates us from God. And I love what it says there in verse 4 about Zacchaeus. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Hey, Zacchaeus knew he had a problem, and he wasn't going to let circumstances keep him from getting to where he needed to be. And that was with Jesus Christ. Amen? He didn't allow anything to stop him. Hey, if he couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, he was going to make sure Jesus got to him. And he climbed up in that sycamore tree. And for whatever reason... Jesus decided to stop and, and have a conversation with Zacchaeus. So the first thing we see this morning is the searching sinner. Here's the second thing I want you to see is the seeking Savior. The seeking Savior. The searching sinner and then the seeking Savior. It says this in verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place... Now, listen folks, I don't believe in accidents. Amen? There are no coincidences with God. Alright, in this life, in, in, uh, in the day and age we live in, and the day and age Jesus lived in. And the Bible says that Jesus came to the place. What was the place? It was the place Jesus knew He needed to be at. And the Bible says, He looked up and saw Him. Now, for the most part, we don't always look up. In fact, a little interesting construction uh, side note for you here, okay? If you go into a lot of restaurants, okay, a lot of restaurants don't even have ceiling tile on their ceiling. They just paint the ceiling black. And you know why they do that? Because most people, when you walk someplace, your natural reaction is not to look up, okay? You're looking around. Sometimes we look down. But you don't just naturally look up. So the fact that Jesus went to this place, He stopped and looked up, tells us that you know what? Jesus was seeking him out. Amen? Jesus was seeking out this man named Zacchaeus who was a publican. And I love the fact that Jesus Christ, on His way to Calvary, 
on His way to the cross, on the way to suffer His passion, took the time to stop and minister to a searching sinner. Amen? He knew right where Zacchaeus was at because guess what? He knew all about him. About us as well. Amen? And not only did He know about him, come on now, He was filled with compassion toward him. By the way, this is always how it happens. Amen? Jesus makes the first move by coming to the dead sinner and offering life through Himself. By the way, I just want to give you biblical truth here this morning. We would never be able to come to Jesus unless He first came to us. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 44, no man can come to Me. Talking about uh, the, uh, mankind as in a whole. No man can come to Me except the Father which has sent Me draw him. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, I'm telling you from the Bible, I can say this very emphatically, there was a moment in time where God the Father drew you to Himself. It's got to be. It's a necessary part of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Amen? And you know what that tells us, folks? Is that God, when we're sinners, seeks us out. Amen? Seeks us out. He gave him a twofold command. The first part of that command was this. Make haste and come down. You know what he was saying? Hey, get out of the tree, Zacchaeus. Get out of the tree right now. By the way, you know what you find? That tells us there's always a sense of urgency about following Christ. Listen, Jesus said, hey, come out of the tree right now. By the way, you don't find Zacchaeus arguing. Well, Jesus, you don't understand. i got a better vantage point up here. We don't understand, Jesus. It's going to be a little more difficult for me to leave my place in the tree and come down. No, you know what you find out? When Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down, the Bible tells us that he did exactly what Jesus said to do. Amen? And it says, and he made haste and came down. Hey, when Jesus said, hey, get out of the tree, Zacchaeus didn't waste any time. He got right out of that tree. Amen? I'm going to just remind us something, folks. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, there's always a sense of urgency. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And folks, let me just encourage you, when God's working, you better listen. Amen? When, when the Father is drawing, you better allow yourself to go. Because I'm going to tell you, there's not one of us here that's guaranteed tomorrow. By the way, there's not one of us here guaranteed the next moment. You realize every single person that's alive is only one heartbeat away from eternity that's it one heartbeat away amen and so when god is working now is the time to listen so the first command was uh, uh, that he gave to zacchaeus was to come down it was an urgent command but then the second command says this for today i must abide at thy house now why did jesus express the, the, the necessity of going to the house of zacchaeus why did jesus use this word must by the way, the, the Pharisees and religious leaders would say that because Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, he was a sinner. And such a person should never be invited to your home. One should certainly not enter their home as a guest, and you are especially forbidden to eat their food. That's what the religious crowd of the day said. But notice here, I love it, Jesus invited Himself to dinner. Amen? This is the only instance in all the four Gospels where we read of Jesus inviting Himself to someone's home for a meal. Why, why is that? Because I believe it pictures what His ministry is all about. Amen? It pictures the fact that Jesus Christ came, uh, came to save sinners from their sins. 
So first of all, number one, we see the searching sinner. Number two, we see the seeking Savior. Then number three, don't miss this, we see the spectacular salvation. The spectacular salvation. Now listen, again, we've already, I've already showed you this, that Zacchaeus didn't waste any time getting out of that tree. Amen? He made haste, he came down, and then the Bible says this, he received him joyfully. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come here. And he did. Amen? And he welcomed Jesus, the Bible says, with joy and with great excitement. By the way, you know what? Zacchaeus got more than what he was asking for. He just wanted to get a closer look at the Savior. But now Jesus was coming over for dinner. I mean, it didn't say that he was hoping to meet Him. It just says he wanted to see Him. He wanted to see what it was about. He was seeking after Him. No doubt, uh, Zacchaeus was searching after Him. But he had no idea what was in store for Him. Amen? And the Bible says he was overwhelmed with joy. By the way, I love that word joy. That's, a, that's an amazing Bible word. That word joyfully, it carries the idea of jubilant, uh, of jubilant exultation. Amen? I mean, come on, has there ever been something in your life that literally you hear about, you experience, and man, you're just, here's what we say, you're just giddy. Amen? Right? You just, you're so happy and, and, and you got joy inside of you. Let me tell you what you always find out. When you people, uh, uh, when people come into contact with Christ, and when they come in contact with Christ, and they make that decision to get saved, and they make that decision to have their sins forgiven. You know what you find out as you chase that through the Gospels. You know what's associated with that joy, joy. Luke chapter eighteen is the story, the previous chapter of a of a blind man named Bartimaeus. And it says of Bartimaeus, Jesus said, Receive thy sight, thy faith have saved me. And immediately he received his sight and followed him. Listen to this. Glorifying God. And all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. Listen, this was a joyous affair. Amen? Because Jesus had healed the blind man. How about the disciples? When Jesus was making His triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the Bible says, And He went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when He was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. By the way, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, when Jesus Christ comes into a life, there will be joy. In fact, in the book of Luke, uh, Luke's kind of the, uh, one of those uh, key themes in the book of Luke is the theme of joy. Over 20 times it's mentioned in that book, joy in some form or another. Amen? And listen folks, I'm going to tell you, when Jesus Christ comes and we have that relationship with Him, man, that ought to fill us with joy. By the way, you know what? That's not just joy at salvation, that's joy to live the Christian life. Listen, by the way, you say, well, well I'm a Christian. Well, hey... If you're saved and your sin's forgiven, maybe you should tell your face about it. Amen? Too many Christians walk around. There used to be a, a song that uh, uh, patched a pirate. In fact, uh, the man who used to be patched a pirate, Ron Hamilton, just passed away this last week. Uh, but he used to sing this song about the poochie lip disease. Now, I used to walk around with your poochie lips stuck out and, and all that. And all, another song, uh, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms, right? I mean, come on, folks, listen to me. And I get it. There's problems in life, amen? There's burdens, there's heartaches, there's things we got to carry. But even in the midst of all that, we can still have the joy of the Lord. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And let me tell you who the strong Christians are. They're the joyful Christians, amen? Listen, don't let Satan rob your joy. Don't let sin rob your joy. Hey, listen to me. Experience that relationship with Christ and have the joy. Now, this is interesting here. 
Because in contrast to the joy you see Zacchaeus having, there's always got to be somebody that reigns on the parade. Look at verse 7. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with the man that is a sinner. Now, this crowd here was confused, first of all, why Jesus was even talking to Zacchaeus. Now they really go ballistic when they figure out Jesus just invited Himself to Zacchaeus' place. Now notice, listen to me, it's interesting. It wasn't just some of the crowd. The Bible says all of them. They all murmured. By the way, that could possibly even included some of the disciples. I mean, listen to me, folks. We think the disciples had it all figured out. Okay? They walked with Jesus. They learned from Jesus. They didn't figure it out until after the resurrection. Okay? And here are these guys, the fishermen. I guarantee you they walked around scratching their heads thinking to themselves, what is he saying? What is he doing? They couldn't figure out Jesus sometime. And by the way, the Bible's pretty clear. It gives us a candid picture. Sometimes, you know what? They didn't have any faith at all in who Jesus was. But aren't you glad he didn't give up on them? Amen? So they were even part of the crowd probably that was complaining. Part of the crowd that was grumbling. By the way, that word there when it talks about murmured, it's the same word that talks about what the Israelites did back in the wilderness when they weren't happy about what God was doing for them. And by the way, that's a dangerous place to be as a Christian when you're always grumbling and complaining about everything. And by the way, folks, I say it, I'll, I'll always say it. Listen, we have nothing to complain about. You realize where you've got to wake up this morning at? You've got to wake up in the United States of America. And I say this all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it because we need to be reminded of it. You realize as Americans... We only make up 4.5% of the world's population. You realize that? You realize that means 95.5% of the world live in some other place other than the United States of America. We are a very small percentage. Yet, you know what? We gripe and complain about everything. We're one of the most blessed nations on the planet, but we're always walking around finding something to be negative about. Shame on us as Christians. Shame on us as Americans. We, are very th- we ought to be very thankful for all that God gets to do for us. I heard someone say this week, talking about this very subject, here's what they said. They said, literally, if you wanted to in America, you can drink the water you take a shower in. It's true. And you know how many people in the world can't say that? You know how many people in the world don't even have fresh drinking water? Read about our missionary back there, Brother John Hayes, pure water going around the world just trying to give people purified drinking water. But as Americans, we're so blessed. We have nothing to complain about. Amen? But here we found these people in the midst of Jesus reaching out to Zacchaeus. They were griping. They were complaining. Somehow in their minds that Zacchaeus' sin was worse than their sin. I got news for you all, folks. All of our sin is, is bad to God. Amen? By the way, you know what? I'm thankful that Jesus Christ took the time to have meals and interacted with publicans and sinners. By the way, let's never get this snooty attitude. Well, that person is, is worse off than I am. I'm going to tell you folks, that's a dangerous road to walk on. Let me just remind you something, alright? You realize the ground's level at the cross, amen? You realize that? It doesn't matter whether a publican or a Pharisee. It doesn't matter whether a scoundrel or a scribe. Jesus Christ can and will save anyone that comes to Him. And I love the fact that Jesus took the time to, to, to uh, not just reach out to, but have a meal with this man named Zacchaeus. Now it's interesting, and let me tell you why we know it's a spectacular salvation. 
Because we see the result of Zacchaeus' salvation. Look what it says in verse 8 of there, Luke chapter 19. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the Lord, Lord, the half of my door, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now listen to me. Zacchaeus wasn't saved because he did this. Okay? But I'll tell you this. This action was a result of him being truly born again. Amen? The Bible's very clear, folks. We're not saved by our works. Amen? It's only by grace through faith and our belief in Jesus Christ that saves us. But as we've been preaching on, as the saved us unto good works. Amen? And listen, and once you are saved, you know what? Truth be told, your life ought to back it up. Your life ought to back it up. When salvation occurs, let me tell you what's going to happen. A change is going to happen. Now that doesn't mean you get it all figured out at once. It doesn't mean you'll never have difficulties and temptations. and It doesn't even mean you'll never sin again. Are you kidding me? Every single one of us sinned this week. In fact, let's be honest. Probably every single one of us has probably already sinned sometime today. I mean, like right now, you're thinking about that ice cream back there instead of thinking about the message. Amen? All right? Instead of listening to the Word of God, you're thinking about ice cream. <laughs> now listen, every single one of us still sin, but I can tell you something, folks. Here's the difference. Amen? You may sin, but as a Christian, you shouldn't want to sin. Right? And I know our flesh does. I get all that. But listen to me. There ought to be a change that comes when somebody gets born again. By the way, as part of this repentance here, you know what Zacchaeus wanted to do? He wanted to right his wrongs. By the way, biblical repentance always goes hand in hand with restitution. Amen? You know why? Because a radical salvation is a radical life-changing event. Now, we're afraid of that word today, radical, right? We've let the left hijack that word. Okay, radical this, radical that. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you know what happens when you get born again? A radical change! A completely different diehard. Something's different in my life. And you know what that something is? You got God living in you now. Amen? And by the way, there's going to be a change. And you know what's neat about this story here? The man who had felt small his whole life and treated others as if they were small suddenly becomes a big man. You know why? Because he had an encounter with a big God. Amen? An encounter with a big God. And then let's look at the last verse here, verse 10. Because this kind of sums it all up, folks. This is kind of what it's all about. This is kind of the concluding statement of the story of, of, of Zacchaeus. And by the way, not just with the life of Zacchaeus. This statement can still be said. It's happening today. Notice what it says, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And aren't you so glad that verse is in the Bible? I'm so glad Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen, folks, listen. all of us were born lost. All of us. Nobody was born saved. Nobody was born on the road to heaven. Every single human being was born on the road to hell. You know why? Because of our sin. Amen? But thank God Jesus Christ loved us enough to search us out and to seek us out. And once He, see, he sought us, if we're willing, He'll save us. Amen? If He's willing, He'll save us. And so folks, listen, that's the message today. A little man meets a big God. A searching sinner, a seeking Savior, a spectacular salvation. My question to you is this. Has there ever been that time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there ever been that time? Listen, the Bible uses this term. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. By the way, that, that, that word born again, okay? 
It's talking about the new birth, the spiritual birth. We're all here today because we all had a physical birthday. All right, this morning during Sunday school, we, we wish those that had birthdays this last week. And uh, Emma, where's Emma at? Emma had a birthday this last week. She turned 14. I don't mind telling the age of teenage girls, okay? In fact, they get offended if you don't, all right? They want to be older, all right? Emma turned 14. And then I had a birthday this last week, amen, April 26th, and I turned, I'm not ashamed, uh, 43, amen, cresting that hill, starting to go over a little bit, all right, I still feel like I got it, okay, it's just changing just a little, but I still got it, I think, all right, but no, you know, you know why we're all here today, because every single one of us had a physical birthday, that's why we're here, now listen, if you're going to be in heaven, it's going to be because there was a moment in time you had a spiritual birthday. A moment in time, as Jesus said, you were born again. By the way, you don't get born again by joining the church. As much as I would love for everybody to join the church, church membership won't get you to heaven. Listen, we believe in baptism around here. In fact, we got a couple folks in the very near future ready to be baptized. We'll bring out that baptistry. we got a portable one that sits right here, and we're going to baptize them. But listen to me, folks. Those baptismal waters have no saving power. No saving power. Baptism is simply just an association with Jesus Christ. It's, it's to let the world know, hey, He wasn't ashamed for me. I'm not ashamed of Him. But them baptism waters can't get you to heaven. Hey, good works can't get you to heaven. You know the only thing the Bible says that can save you? It's your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen? It's called the Gospel. The good news of His death, His burial, His resurrection. And you know why Zacchaeus? Uh, uh, you know what happened when that little man met that big God? He put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're going to be in heaven, there must be a time that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then, folks, let me just encourage you. Let me leave you with this thought. Amen? Because Jesus came to seek and to save that was lost, you know what He wants to use us to do now as His people? Amen? Because guess what? Jesus isn't on this earth anymore. Now, his, he, his, uh, spiritually, He's here, no doubt about it. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered in My name, they're here this morning, but not physically. So you know what that means? Guess whose job it is to, to continue what Jesus started? You know whose job it is? If you're saved, look in a mirror. Every single one of our jobs to seek and to save that which was lost. By the way, alright, aren't you glad somebody in your life gave you an opportunity, told you about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad of that? I mean, if I went around the room, you could start telling me who it was. That maybe it was many people that witnessed to you, but somebody at some point it made sense to you and you choose to accept Christ because somebody pointed you to Him. You know what? It's our job then as God's people to point people toward Him. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you right now, folks, there's a lot more Zacchaeus out there. I found, we found some this week. Amen? Well, last Sunday we had the funeral for uh, Brother Jeff's stepson. At that funeral I preached the gospel and about eight folks raised their hands and wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. This week, Thursday night, over the telephone, Gary accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. And listen to me, folks, that, that they're everywhere. Zacchaeus are everywhere. But we need to get out there and find them, amen? By the way, sometimes they come to you, but you know what? We've got to do a little, put some effort in, amen? Hey, hey, we've got to step outside of our comfort zone a little bit. How come it's easy for us to talk about anything and everything except the Lord Jesus Christ? You can go up to a stranger and talk about the weather. You can go to a stranger and talk about your favorite sports team. You can go to a stranger and talk about your favorite hobby. But lo and behold, you start bringing up Jesus Christ, man, we get mute mouth pretty quick, don't we? Come on, folks, listen to me. We've got a job to do as God's people. Amen? 
And if Jesus did it, He's at the precedence for it. Hey, He sought out a sinner. He was a friend of publican sinners. Guess what? We ought to be as well. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love You this morning.